Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're also joined by one of our favorite guests, Aaron from Star Wars Bookworms. Aaron, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. Hey, glad to have you Good back. Glad to have you back on. Yes, happy to be back. Love talking some Rebels. Oh, yeah. I think in the last episode you were on, I think, was an inside man uh, in the middle of last season. So uh, it'll be fun to talk about these two these two episodes. They are very interesting. Uh, especially the, uh, the the first one was a little a little strange. It's good when things get strange, though, right? I, I hear that's that's the I'm, case. I'm just going to. So, William, I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> okay. Nice. Right, that's my punch nice. today. But uh, uh, I think before we get into the show, we have to get to some announcements, right? Uh, yeah, this is actually uh, fairly minor. So, well, one, uh, if you if you didn't see already, Force of Destiny Part 2 did premiere last week. We recorded the um, the show a bit early, so we uh, we were actually recorded before that aired even though it was published afterward. But yeah, definitely go check out the uh, the second uh, set of eight episodes in Forces of Destiny if you haven't. Uh, or Technically, it's, I guess, the last four episodes because they did two batches of eight and split the second batch of eight amongst like the beginning and, and end of October. But anyway, uh, the second part uh, premiered with some, you know, it was cut together with some of the older uh, episodes that came out over the summer on, on YouTube and stuff. So, uh, definitely go check that out. We will be reviewing it soon. We've got a, a backlog to get to, uh, to of lot, lots of cool stuff. We've got Leia, Princess of Alderaan. I, I just finished you. that. Yep. Uh, there's the new uh, Luke book that just came out. There is. Um, yeah. The Legends of Luke Skywalker. And uh, of course, Forces of Destiny Part 2. So don't worry. Those are still coming up. But we wanted to get you your Rebels ep- reviews in a timely manner. Um, yep. Yes, exactly. Also, fun fact, um, <clears throat> this is not really an announcement, but it's more interesting tidbit that didn't really have to do with the episodes we're reviewing today. Um, Dave, in, in Rebels Recon, uh, there was a question about uh, the, the backstory for Yavin 4 and if it's still a Sith homeworld, or a Sith w- world at least. And uh, Pablo Hidalgo said that no, it's... Uh, well, he actually said it, that the Sith backstory was not part of George's original vision, so they don't know if it's canon or not, but I'm pretty sure that just means no, it's not canon unless they change their mind later. Uh, It's the story group. They can do what they want, but I have a feeling you go with what Pablo said. Yeah. So anyway, kind of, kind of interesting, but uh, we've got a a lot to talk about tonight. There was, as as we alluded to, some really interesting stuff that happens in Kindred and then uh, Crawler Commanders uh, is also a fun one. So with that, Tom, you want to give us the episode right now? We got uh, the first episode we're going to talk about is season four, episode seven, Kindred. This was written by Dave Filoni and Henry Gilroy. It was directed by Sergio Sergio Paez. Um, In this episode, tracked back to their hidden base by a mysterious Imperial agent, the rebels must trust some seemingly dangerous native creatures who are far more than meets the eye. 
And then the second episode is episode eight, Crawler Commanders. This was written by Matt Minkovich and directed by Bosco Ning. And this one is Desperate to Contract Rebel Command. The Ghost Crew pirates a mining vehicle with long-range communication gear, but the Empire arrives to spoil their plans. Interesting episodes, to say the least. I think the second one, to me, was tried to be a little bit more comedic than the first one because the first one was rather interesting. Yeah, so I mean, let's 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 dive into this. I mean, it was it was written by Dave Floney and Henry Gillery, which already tells you it's going to have some great importance to the series. It probably means you're going to have to watch uh, it a couple times to get what they mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean, this was. It starts off, it picks up right where the the last set of episodes left off, right? And we've got, um, we've got Kanan and and Hera staying behind on Lothal or near the rebel base while everyone else is going off and getting the hyperdrive that Ezra hid in the last episode. And uh, there's some interesting discussion at the beginning, which kind of a uh, kind of um kind of sets up the rest of the episode, where he says that no matter whatever happens, they always end up on Lothal mm-hmm. somehow, which is totally true. We've, we've, I mean, we've talked about that, I think on the podcast as well, how they, how often they're, they're, they're on Lothal. And it's kind of nice because it gives them a reason and a nice excuse for the show as to why so much of the, the series has been set on Lothal. Part of it is obviously the story of, I think another large piece of it though, especially in the early days was just the budget, mm-hmm. right? Totally made sense. Uh, so I like I like I like the the explanation there and and how you know maybe they were they were drawn to that this planet out of everywhere they could have gone they were they were drawn to to Lothal. Well, it's it, okay. Lothal? So so to Lothal or to Ezra? Well, it it seems uh, like to both. That's a good good question. I don't know. What, what do you think? I I'm just asking questions. I don't have answers. Well, no, I I, I would I, like to someday. I dream of having answers, but. <laughs> Well, it's going to have to be pretty soon because the series is almost over. But i I think it's, I think it's both. It it would have to be because they're always back on Lethal, and I think to a certain point there's something going on at that planet, not just the the Imperials building the 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 ties there. There's something else going on, especially when you get into the second episode, where we'll get to the second episode later. But Lethal is important to the Empire for something. So. Yeah, and and if you guys remember, uh, way back in the season two premiere, actually, so a long time ago, uh, in Siege of Lothal, Minister Maketh Tua, she told the rebels that, quote, there's a real reason why the Empire came to Lothal, uh, known only to a few and ordered by the Emperor himself, end quote. Do you think this and might be actually- fiber crystals? I don't know. I mean, we, we never actually found the answer because she died, right? She was going to tell the rebels the answer and she ends up dying in the episode. We never found out. I almost, I completely forgot okay, about this. But if it was Kyber uh, crystals. Yeah, I had as well. If it was Kyber crystals in the past episode where they got on to the uh, Imperial transport, the Kyber crystals sang to Ezra. So would you think if there are Kyber crystals on Lethal, that would be singing to Ezra as well. And that would be a tip off to Kanan because they would probably be singing to him too. So it's got to be yeah, something else. I, I think it is too. Aaron, what do you, do you have any any theories? I mean, I think for for the empire the empire specifically, um did you guys read the the servants of the empire books? Yes. I, yeah, I, I did not. I did not. I kind of t- It's been a while, but yes. I did not. 
they kind of touched on this a little bit in those books as well, um, as the empire is kind of almost strip mining the planet for materials. And it almost hinted, I remember in those books hinting at they were using Lothal as a place to gather materials for the Death Star, but not mm. necessarily kyber crystals, but the other materials needed, like the ores and, and metals and oh, stuff the, needed to, the, to kind of I think, build what is it, the infrastructure. Dunium? Dunium? There's something like that that kept getting oh, mentioned yeah. in a lot of the novels. Right. Yeah. So I think that that might be the reason why. Uh, maybe maybe uh, Lothal is rich in the you know kind of metals that they need to build the structure of the Death Star, not necessarily the kyber crystals. I think if it was a kyber crystal related, that would have already been revealed. Mm-hmm. Because agree. like you guys were saying, you know, because of Kanan and Ezra being so connected to the Force that they would have, you know, kind of mm-hmm. already made that connection. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I think you could be right. Well, and, and <clears throat> historically throughout this series they've always tried to have both a, a, a military uh threat and a more of a, a mystical threat right it, it's always been uh sabine and hera going after the military side of things and kanan and azura on the force side and obviously <clears throat> the, they'll they'll cross sometimes and the, all the group will go after one threat or the other but there's always you know there's always like the threat of tarkin and the threat of vader or the threat of um thrawn and the threat of maul or like they 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 always have always two there are right they they try to keep both sides of the series uh at, at balance and so i would not be surprised if there was a more of a force related thing um that was that was on lothal i, I don't know what that is i mean we know i don't that- know the Jedi temple was there. So we know there's that big force connection to Lothal, Mm -hmm. but now the introduction of these, these, um, what do they call them? Lothwolves. Yeah. Yeah. That I think is kind of the bigger connection right now that they're trying to tap into. Um, and we don't know all the details around kind of what they are, but there's something there that's, that's calling out to Ezra. And then obviously there's a connection to, to Kanan as well. So I think there's still a lot more to be revealed with that stuff, but yeah, you definitely have both sides of it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, since since you brought up, let, let's let's dive into the Lothwolves, right? Because our other heroes, and we'll, we'll we'll circle back to some of the other points of the show later. But the uh, all the 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 rebels they they're trying to escape, and so they run into these rock mountain formation things, uh, following the Lothwolves that appear again. Uh, they come out of nowhere. And an offer to to help uh, the heroes. But the interesting thing about this one, I have to say, compared to last episode, uh, everybody got to see them this time. Because remember, Ezra was the only one that saw them the last time. And even Sabine, until she was knocked out, I don't think had any inkling they were there. And in this episode, everybody got to see the Lothwolves. Yeah, that's a good point. And like, do you any any thoughts as to why? I guess they just wanted to show themselves to everyone this time. Because as it was said in the episode, it was over. All the paths are coming together now. What does it mean? No one knows. Yeah. So, you know, and and something's happening. And the Loth, the, the White Loth wolves, the White Loth cat, it all means something. Yeah. It's also a function of the storytelling too. I think in the first 
introduction of the Lothwolves, they wanted it to be very mysterious. And only Ezra kind of saw it. So you're kind of wondering, oh, is this just something that only he can see, but no one else can. But now that they've introduced the idea of the, the Lothwolves to the audience and they're not quite as mysterious now, um, now it's, it's kind of also been revealed to the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're, they're not supposed to be some kind of, you know, mystical thing that only appear like they're actually a known creature on this planet. Like even, um, I'm forgetting the name of the guy from Lothal. Yeah. They got writer. Yeah. Yeah. They're Um, hanging out with Azadi and he's like, Oh look, Lothwolves. It's not something where he's like, Oh wow. I've never never seen seen. before. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I think, I think in the last episode they did say they hadn't been seen in a hundred years, but people know about them. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. It's a good point. Uh, I, I loved Zeb's comment though. As soon as the Lothwolves appear and then they decide to follow them, uh yeah he zeb looks at Ryder and he says this is good whenever things get strange it's a good thing mm-hmm. <laughs> which it totally felt like he was talking to the uh us the viewers and almost there were there were a couple moments like that in uh this episode and especially the next one well do you also think the reason why he said that was kind of was kind of as a comforting factor for himself because going into something unknown that he's known in, you know, he's not nervous about it, but he definitely knows and he's talking to himself. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And this happens. It's crazy. It's a good thing. So just trust it. Not just to calm down, yeah. you know, uh, uh, writer. So, yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. And, and things do get strange because mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they walk inside and there's there. Well, first the, the Lothals basically stop until Canaan, uh, it starts following them like they want Kanan for some reason as and as we find out later well we don't really find out exactly all we know is that they were calling his name his um, real name yeah yes so Sean Sean Keen shout out to Sean he was right it was it was doom as in d u m e Caleb doom uh Kanan's birth name uh not doom as in like destruction or something or the right. game Although I feel like there might be a double meaning still. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I, doom will doom them? Well, they said – so in the first episode where they said doom and the only way you could tell what they really meant is if you had the subtitles on, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and which I did because I tend to watch things with subtitles on. I've gotten into the habit because I have loud children. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I saw it right away. <laughs> I saw that right away. I was like, oh, wow, Doom, like that's actually his name and not D-U or D-O-O-M. But the second or just these episodes that came on, for whatever reason, the subtitles weren't working for Disney XD. Oh, and really? So I hmm. couldn't see because they said Doom a few times. And at the very end of the episode, they say it in like a different tone. And I was like, oh, I wonder if like I, I wish I had the subtitles on to see if they still are using the same spelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time around, I didn't I have, have to imagine they. I have to imagine they would be using the same spelling. I like the idea that point. it could mean both. Like they're calling out yeah, for Canaan. I do too. But they're also saying, hey, like this is not necessarily going to end well mm-hmm. um, for certain characters. And I know a lot of people are kind of, you know, when you're going down the list of characters that may not make it through, Canaan seems to be on the top of everybody's list. Yeah. It seems like that's the logical choice. Really, because you know that unless somehow they explain it away, he lasts past this and gets into a new hope. 
you know, that or at least Rogue One, because we know that Hera's there, um, it has to be explained away somehow. And I he's not gonna he can't make it. He's not gonna make it. Well he, he's way more of a Jedi than Ezra. Yes. Is. I mean, I, I think that there's a there could be a case made that both Ezra and Kanan still make it through all of this. Um, it's a gigantic galaxy. There's no reason to think that a couple characters can't disappear uh, without dying. So I do, I do think they could, they could spin the story in a way that both characters live. Um, but if you're going to tell me, hey, there's definitely one of these characters that's going to die, who do you think it's going to be? Kanan's at the top of my list as well. Mm-hmm. As much as I hate to say that because I love the character. Oh, I, I do too. He's a great character, yeah. but I, I think he's going to die. <laughs> where i think Sometimes everyone's you just a, have to be realistic yeah and, and maybe feloni you know he has to kind of be aware of that as well so you know you know how feloni is he might be trying to lead us all to a certain conclusion only to surprise us in the end Kara's dead wait well no well, work. <laughs> no the seventh sister comes back because remember uh freddie prince jr didn't want to take out his wife which was sarah michelle geller so she's going to come back and take him out anyway yeah i don't know well, where things get really interesting, I think, though, is as soon as they so they, they walk inside the, the cave, right, with all the, the, the paintings of, of people following wolves, uh, yeah, at which point Zeb calls, I guess we're not the first ones. Uh, and, and also, I liked how he's like, there wasn't a picture of wolves eating those people. Were there? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Zeb had all the best lines. <laughs> he really did. He really did. Um, but uh, they, they start walking further into the rocks into the cave and the empire starts bombing uh basically start dropping bombs uh, on the on the rocky mountain and so uh they they proceed deeper into the cave and i'm I'm actually like trying to figure out how to describe this they basically start walking through a space tunnel that's like, about accurate yes it, it, it's, accurate. it's almost like a hyper it looked like they were walking through hyperspace yeah, except there was puddles of shiny stuff. <laughs> like it was well, just this and, weird. And like every time they like put their paws down, it like got like these ripple effects out in like space. It was wild. They, they, it was crazy. They were walking. It was like something out of a Miyazaki movie, which yeah. I think was intentional. Um, I mean, even the Loth wolves are very. I mean, design wise, look almost exactly like the wolves in Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. So, oh really? I yeah, haven't seen like. It. Almost yeah, exactly. If you Google Princess Mononoke, you'll see what I mean. Like they're literally the the wolves look almost exactly the same. Oh wow! So I know, I know that's I, been a big influence on Filoni. So I think some of this was you know direct callouts. I think you're right. In fact, uh, Amy Ratcliffe uh, tweeted earlier, I think today or yesterday, about how the um, some of the shots are like identical to um, to to that. Uh, to Mononoke. Name. I've never seen it. Mononoke. Yeah, I've, I've not seen uh, it. Yeah. Um, but uh, some of the shots are identical, and she posted the comparison shots, and it is kind of uncanny. Um, so you're right. It probably probably was a an influence. Um, but it was still wild. Well, they're they like very interesting. It's like a tunnel apparently through space and time where they can end up on the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Lothal is very big of a planet because it didn't seem like it took them very long to get back to the other hemisphere. Well, did they you know? did they get back to the other hemisphere or was it the Empire coming to the southern hemisphere? 
That was that's what that's why I took it. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Took it, I took Bucky, it that way. The thing that tipped me off was the the guy they had left behind oh, when the they kid. all went through the tunnel. Um, Jai Kel. Kel is that his name? Yeah, yeah, Jai. Yeah, he was he was with them after that. At the end, that you see him walk by, so I was like, "Wait, they're already back with him." Like he either came through the tunnel later, or uh, or he just. I thought he maybe flew off and then met them. Yeah, I yeah that was back. my interpretation was my... as well. Yeah, but I could be completely off base here. But yeah, I think you might be right. I'm just wondering, you know, you know, if you're talking about the difference of the northern and southern hemispheres on a planet, you know, how long does it take for somebody to get from? No, that's you know. New York City to Chile, you that's know, like true. it's it's not a short trip. That's no, true. although I guess like if they're walking through a space tunnel, I'm going to forgive distances at this point. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. space that's tunnel true. in the middle of the planet. Well, it just gonna... stuck out to me when I saw Cal again. I was like, wait, he, they left him behind on the other side of the planet. I'm I'm going to throw this out there, but did anybody get the inkling that instead of ending up on the other side of the hemisphere, they were going to end up on the planet from Clone Wars with the brother, sister, and father. Mortis. Mortis. Yeah, that's what I thought. That would have been. I. That would have been too much. It would have been too much, <laughs> but but honestly, the way it was being set up, somehow I thought, my God, they're going. To Maybe Mortis. the white wolf, wolf, uh, wolf is the sister. White. Oh jeez. Still, uh, could could we? We're we're throwing too much into this, but yeah. Just, it, well. It was is it weird. Too much to, is it too much to accept that uh, Lothal has magic white wolves that can, you know, travel through time and space? Now, that's the question. Are they magical? <laughs> wait a minute. Are they magical or are they um, force sensitive? Or are they are, force sensitive? Are they imbued with the force? That, I mean, that's what Kanan implies. That's, yeah, that's what I, I mean, get too. By magical, I think it's pretty clear obviously force related in some way yeah well because canon says um canon and ezra are talking later and he says the lothwolves have a very deep connection to the the energy of the planet much more focused and deeper than than you know your average living thing um and that's when he comes to the realization that maybe there's there's something bigger going on here that they're trying to point something out to them mm-hmm. um but yeah mm-hmm. it was are people still clinging to the theory that like Ahsoka is somehow associated with these wolves? It's possible. Well, and there, there's the theories like is she is, is Ahsoka associated with the Convaries and what are the Lothcats and the Loth wolves have to do anything? I don't know. I, I think there's many things possible right now, and we're going to have to hopefully find that out when the series starts wrapping up. There's a lot. Yeah, of, I mean, I, I there's a lot to be answered. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I don't claim to be an expert on any of this stuff. Like they are right now operating at a at a level way above what I can <laughs> come up with. Yeah, uh, it's very yeah, very sure. Even like them waking up briefly, like they're walking through the tunnel and they wake up in a field with like tall grass surrounded by loth cats, and then they actually wake up, and then they're back in a cave. I don't know. It's very very interesting. Um, but I did like the modified version of the force theme. Uh, it's you, you could you could tell it was like hints of the force theme, but a, but a new tune as well uh, during this this whole this whole scene. So very very interesting. I don't know what to make of it. I'm sure they'll. I hope. I'm guessing they'll explain it. I don't know. They gotta explain it at some point because the show's getting to wrap up soon. 
It is. It is. Now, uh, that's not the only big thing, though. Yeah, well, that's what I was. I think I was going to try and transition to because we actually got to see somebody. <laughs> like I said, William, why don't you take this one? <laughs> yeah, this is this is not. Uh, I, I think the the bigger. Well, I'd say the mystery of the Lothwolves was the unexpected aspect of the uh, of the episode that was uh, probably you know fairly large and, and and very meaty for us to discuss. The other piece, though, is the introduction of a of fan. I would I think it's safe to call him a fan favorite. I would say fan favorite. favorite. Uh, yeah, I think that's acceptable. Yeah. Rook. Uh, Rook, Grand Admiral Thrawn's um, bodyguard, minion, whatever you want to call him. Uh, well, made at least his this episode, debut. Assassin. Yes. Thoughts on the character? Uh, well, I'm going to start by saying that uh, I don't think Price is long for this world. No. Something tell just this this episode did not go in her favor. She lost them what two, three times. Mm-hmm. And you know, Thrawn's personal assassin is right nearby, just you know, in case he needs some assassinating done. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think was... she's lucky that Vader was not there because Vader, you, you fail him once, you're you're dead. You fail Thrawn what three, four times? She's still alive. Yeah. Because Thrawn doesn't know how to do the whole like choke you to death through the phone. Well, Very true. true. I think he he could learn a few skills there. So I, a lot of people were thinking that Price was going to have a much bigger role because in the the season four poster, mm-hmm. she's like very prominent on the poster, and so everybody's like, "Oh, she must have a much bigger role as well as she is a big focus in the Thrawn novel." Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost seemed like they're setting her up to be kind of a bigger deal, but I'm still not getting any vibes of her being a bigger deal yet, especially in, in this episode. She just doesn't seem like she is uh, a force to be reckoned with for, for any reason. But think about going into, I think after these two episodes, what they're setting up for the next one, she's probably going to play a better role there or a bigger role there. Cause, cause one of the gentlemen who was working under Thrawn, Oh, a couple episodes ago, uh, kind of got blown up inside of his, uh, cruiser outside of a dish a while back. Um, so price may end up with the same result pretty soon. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think she's. Yeah. She's not long for this world. Just like just like Titus and everyone else. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that begs the question. You, 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 that begs the question: If Rock, how long he's going to be around? I, yeah. Uh, so well, we now that we've been introduced to the character. So obviously, Rook is probably most famous because he is the Nogri that kills Thrawn in the original Thrawn trilogy. Correct. Spoilers. Spoilers. I mean, oh, it's man, only it's okay. been so I, years old. I'm, I am not gonna. Yeah, that, what Thrawn, the original Thrawn book, or actually, let's say, let's the third one came out in what ninety one. No, Three? third one had been ninety three, mm-hmm. four, something like that. Okay, I think they did one. Year, the first Thrawn book I mean. was in nineteen ninety or ninety one. Okay, yeah. but the point is, it was a long time ago. So if sorry, true. Not everybody's read them, and people that haven't read them probably don't want to know kind of like that the role he played because it, then it could be a spoiler for how Rebels goes. But good point. I get, I get where you're coming from. Um, 
Well, as yeah. what I was actually going to ask is, uh, I guess we'll be we can be vague, uh, and people who have read the trilogy will know what we're referring to. Do we think Rook's going to play the same kind of role? I, I think that may be why they introduced him. I could totally see yeah. that. But there's a lot. It's almost like you. There's a lot of character development that you would need to do to make that make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, have, they don't have enough episodes. time. Yeah, they don't have enough time. Yeah. So that's, that's that kind of where I was coming cool. from. Yeah, I think it would be a cool shout out to people that know the legend stuff and you know enjoy those books um, if they do go that direction with it. But I don't. If I had to guess, I'd say no. They're not going to go that direction with it because he doesn't matter enough to the fans. Mm-hmm. yet yeah. and he, they don't have enough time to just to establish him as a character so if he ends up being the one that does that people would be disappointed They're like oh wait like why did we take that away from the characters that we already know you know we want to see somebody more important yeah. do that so that's fair enough but i would love to see that there's also and this is we've had varying descriptions of his this this character which is, by the way, the, the the name is pronounced R U K H or spelled R U K H. In the in the episode, I always kind of called him Rook, but in the episode, Thron calls him Rook or, or something like that. It's Which close enough. It really, yeah, Rook. it's close enough. Uh, he says it really cool though. Like when he, he when Thron said it, I was like, wow, that's yeah. how to say it. Yeah, whatever. I can't do it. I'm not. I can't say Rook anymore because he's like Rook. I know, and now I yeah, now I'm like you, got, yeah, you gotta put a little bit of menace into it, otherwise it just doesn't come out right. <laughs> okay, so so, so would have been would it have been even cooler if Warwick Davis was actually able to say it in that voice that they had how they tweaked his voice for that character? Then you'd get the proper. I thought Warwick Davis did a great job. Oh, I think he did like, outstanding. He was almost unrecognizable. Yeah. as Warwick Davis. Actually, is that Warwick Davis? Yeah, Rourke Davis did the voice of Rourke. Oh, I know. I was just going to say, was is that Warwick Davis doing a great job, or is that Warwick Davis doing the voice and then them modulating it? I think they modulated great. it from the sound yeah. of it. Yeah? Yeah. You might be right. You might be right. I didn't uh, – I had to go back and listen and see if it's modulated. Yeah, but, but he, he did – regardless, regardless, modulation or not, he did a really good job as that character. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was much more feral than I was expecting – uh, kind of running on all fours or going back and forth between two legs and four legs, always kind of being hunched was, uh, over a bit. and Very creepy to watch is how I thought about it. He was creepy to watch, but did it catch you guys off guard when he sits there, sniffs and goes, I smell Lasat? Oh, that was, I loved that detail because so totally I. I'd forgotten that their sense of smell, like they could tell your lineage mm. from how you smelled. And so the fact they were able to kind of bring that in uh, to, to the episode was, was, was nice. Yeah. Uh, nice to be fair. I just took that as Zeb needs to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that is also true. <laughs> well, you know, you're stuck on a spaceship for how long you're stuck with Ezra chopper. I mean, when your opponent smells you from like a mile away, yeah, that's your, uh, that's a good point there. You got a really good I point. I don't on remember that. too much detail about the character because it's been a long time since I've read those novels. But I seem to remember him being a little bit more of kind of the silent assassin type and you just didn't see him coming and suddenly he's like right there next to you. And I think mm-hmm. there's even a scene with 
with Polyon in the novels where that kind of happens, where he like kind of turns and like Rook's just standing next to him. And he's yep. like kind of jumps because he didn't expect it. And kind I feel like the way that, yeah, right. And I think the way they're presenting him here in Rebels, it's a little different where he's not necessarily, you know, sneaky assassin kind of, because he literally just runs across an open field toward them you know he's not trying to like mm-hmm. stealthily go and, and sneak up on them and assassinate them mm-hmm. he's just like brute force running across the field to take them on so i was like oh it's a little different than than the way he was presented in the book so they're they're definitely giving us a a, a different uh, the rebels variation of this character mm-hmm. yeah yeah which is i mean i, I thought i i liked how they they tended to be fairly similar, but you're right. He was much more feral and more of a tracker than an assassin. So I I, I want to see where they take his character. I think the biggest disappointment I had was that he wasn't really in the episode all that much. They he came down to the planet. He smelled uh, Zeb, and so he he ran after uh, uh, Ezra and Zeb. Uh, Ezra and Jai were standing there in their scout trooper armor, and that's when he like gets all up in Ezra's face and smells him, and instantly attacks them because he, he realizes that they're not they're they're actually the rebels um and then like that's kind of it i mean there, there's the really cool chase on the speeders uh where they're 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 weaving through the the rocky mountains and these are not like your typical rocks right these are very the, the round tall lothal uh, rocks. yeah the lothal rocks lothrocks um <laughs> they, they kind of look, they kinda look like a jedi temple on the or lock. Yeah, they were really like a killix, yeah. <laughs> uh and so we, there was like we got that cool um <clears throat> speeder chase. Uh but then once once uh once they escape, they blow up his speeder uh, and Price arrives and decides to kind of bomb the uh the area. That's it. We we don't get any more rook. I don't know. I I I, I just wish we'd had a little bit more about of him. Yep. I agree. And, and like actually, Ron brought him in to be to like fix Price's problem and Rook also failed. <laughs> well, failed because of the Lothwolves to a certain extent. But I mean that, true. Yeah. yeah and, and, that, and that was pro- that was probably something yeah. that Thrawn never even expected. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. Thrawn is always baffled by the force, which I love. Uh the I think at this point they're just setting up this character for more. They they introduced him. They're they're not going to just introduce him and then that's the last we hear from him. Um, so I think there's going to be some bigger bigger things to come with with Rook. I think you're right. I definitely think you're right. Um, there is something though. I know we're jumping all over the place, but there's something that happened toward the beginning between Kanan and he- Kanan and Hera that. Almost happened, I think, in the a couple episodes back. But you know, the two of them are talking. They're talking about the rebellion, and you know, Kanan's looking at her, saying, "You know, are you giving enough to the rebellion? You know, if don't you think it's a time to where it's like back off and you know, think of the the future lives and okay, put it this way, they almost kissed again. I mean, I know we're jumping all over the place, but but that's one thing that was a, an important I, part of the episode. I actually felt like it uh, maybe it was just me. It felt very random for Kanan to kind of come up to her in the middle of them being stranded on Lothal, an Imperial held world mm-hmm. and kind of like make the case that it's, you know, we need to stop. 
Well, or where do we, him, or just ask the question, where do we stop? Yeah, but maybe for him, you know, it, it's a point in his life where it's like, you know what? Now's the best time to do this. There's nothing going on right now. You've got Sabine and Zeb and Ezra trying to get that hyperdrive that was um, that that was basically hidden away in the last episode. So now's the good time as ever to sit here and try and figure out where we're going at this point. Because also put it this way, that kind of gives you tension about what's going to happen to the two of them going toward the end of the season. And they're throwing it in at certain points for a reason, because they've got to wrap up the storyline at some point. And you've got people out there going, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And then, uh uh-oh, it doesn't happen at this point. I mean, I, I think we're dancing around the issue. They've basically been teasing fans so long with They've the, been teasing the them since, since I think the books, Aaron and 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 Kanan, yeah. and and so you know they they start to tease them again in this episode, and then uh, they they actually uh, make it make it official um, uh, mid midway through. And I, I love the moment when you know Hera finally kisses uh, Kanan. Uh, Sabine is like notices him and like slaps Zeb is like, Hey, look, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> well, I think Kanan is, is being the, you know, the needy boyfriend in this, in the scene here where Good he's call. thinking beyond cause he's trying to set up. He's not just thinking of like, Oh, have you given enough for the rebellion? He's thinking more like, have you given enough to me and what's our future? And he's looking at it as kind of their, their relationship. Like, where, you know, she makes the comment like, well, I haven't really thought about it. He's like, well, then you, you, I guess you never thought about us, you know, kind of that, that type of comment that's a little, a little needy mm-hmm. um, because I think he's wanting to have some security in, in the fact that they're going to be together after all this is said and done. Um, and she's, she hasn't kind of, I guess, given him enough confidence in that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then you get to see the kiss, which is nice because that is something they've been teasing us with. They keep getting interrupted every time it's about to happen. And finally, I did like that Hera was the one that kind of took the the uh, the lead on that and just kind of leaned into the kiss. Um, it was cool. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. I'm okay. a, I ship that. Okay, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this question right out to you, Aaron. Do you think they're gonna get a happy ending out of this? No, of course not. Um, it's <laughs> and that'll be part of the tragedy. the The storytelling is great because you 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 do want them to have a happy ending, and when it doesn't happen, it's going to be all that more tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, it, could you think of a better couple in all of Star Wars? Really, they—they've been so loyal to each other. They've been going through this as a family, essentially. Um, Basically, a mother Hera, and father raising three kids. You got to look at it that way, right? And yeah. they're like such great characters. Like they're so good to each other, and they have all the best intentions to help the galaxy. And when Kanan dies, it's gonna—it's gonna crush us all because he doesn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and Hera doesn't deserve to lose him. Yeah, I, I, I hope, I hope things end up end up working out for 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 them. But yeah, I think you're totally right. They're, it's Kanan's gonna die, and it's it's not gonna it's not gonna end well. I mean, even it was interesting when I was rewatching, because um, I wanted to go back and, and re-listen to that comment in, um, uh, from from Minister Maketh Tua, right? So I I went back. And, and rewatched the season two premiere, Siege of Lothal, and there is a moment in there where uh, Kanan and or Hera pulls Kanan aside, and they have this discussion around like basically how Kanan doesn't care about the rebellion really, 
Uh, he said, you know, I didn't sign up to be part of this military. He just kind of wants to be off on his own with Hera and the rest of the group. And, and that's it. And and, it, and I was kind of reflecting, huh? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how far they've come because they've definitely gotten way more involved in the rebellion. Um, and Hera is now, you know, uh, you know, one of the, the leaders of the rebellion and everything. Uh, not quite enough to be let into the private conversations of the high council, as you will talk about later but uh she's still you know rising through the ranks i would say um and kanan still doesn't really care he's he's still saying like haven't you given enough so i don't know i, I wonder if that'll cause a rift okay but too. they kind of set that up i think going all the way back to the books he just wanted to be put it this way he just wanted to be on the run he just wanted to get on with his life he really didn't want anything to do other than just keep running. And it seemed like because they've, you know, he did find Hera and then they found uh, Ezra. It's like he's somebody's got to train this kid and he's basically just been sticking around. But it, you yeah. still get that feeling that he's he's a reluctant rebel who's there because of the the feelings he has for Hera, the responsibility for Ezra, and you sadly know it's not going to end well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I hope it does, but first, all, you know, Hera has to yeah. if Hera has to escape the planet with the um the the flight recorder that they stole in the in the previous episode. Uh, so thankfully they they managed they did manage to repair the U wing, and, and that leads to a a short but kind of a fun space battle where Hera is trying to evade all the ties and the and the, and the star destroyer. And then she kind of does a, an interesting uh, move to escape. Steven, do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah. So obviously she's uh, working out the you know trajectory she needs to jump for hyperspace to get back to Rebel Command. And uh, she <laughs> decides to go straight through the hangar bay of a uh, one of the construction pods. And it obviously did not have a uh, did not end well for anyone who was in that hangar. I that surprised me how they how she was basically able to jump into hyperspace through the I mean it, the hangar goes all the way through right it seems like a risky thing to do for sure yeah but it was too cool though it was oh, cool I was trying to figure was, out what advantage that gave her though I think just that it looked cool <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure there an advantage more than it just it was a way that she could get away and also do do a little bit of destruction on her way out. And it was almost like she was being shot out of a cannon. I mean, one of the coolest things. It was. Yeah, cool. it looked awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but thankfully, she did. She did escape. She made it to Yavin Four, gave the flight recorder to Mon Mothma, and the mission was a success. So um, everything everything worked out in the end, just like hopefully, Cannon and Hera. No. <laughs> <laughs> We shall it's see that they're that they're already separating Hera and Chopper from the rest of the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we know we know they're the two that make it for sure. Yeah. And so it's kind oh. of like, oh, have they already made that separation? Because you see Hera and Chopper kind of walking up to Yavin base. And even the way they show it is almost like this, like, hey, look, here are the two characters that end up in Rogue One and we get to see I them part of that battle. Uh, I'm almost wondering like, if we're going to have a scene where uh, Hera and Chopper are on the uh, 
on Yavin 4 while everyone else is on Lothal or, you know, something along those lines. And then we'll hear one of the lines or see, you know, one of the characters kind of walk in the background. And maybe there's more overlap here than we actually thought. Are we? Yeah. I mean, you think are we're that we... close to New Hope? Uh, no, not yet. But I'm every time they do something like that, I'm it makes me wonder if that's kind of how they're going to get a, around that sort of issue. It's like, oh, see, it was, you know, they were just occupied elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you bring up a good point, Aaron, that they're kind of separated right now. I mean, they, they, there's six episodes left in the in the series, and so that's it. Wait a minute, yeah. in the series wow. or just this like, half? The series. Oh, jeez, that's just wow. Yeah, not, it's not fair. You just made me that, <laughs> William. You know, I, I we've know. got a makes, bunch makes, of stuff to review. Too. Other we've got, we've got. I mean, so there's. I mean, it's the six episodes, not including um, the second half that we have yet to discuss. But we've all, we've seen all but six episodes left in the series. Uh, because they, there's nine episodes in the. Uh, it's just depressing. Is it? Uh, let me just do the math real quick. I think there's 16 episodes total the season. Uh, there's nine, so maybe there's seven left. Sorry, I might have done the math wrong. Um, either way, we're 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 running out of time. We're 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 getting very very close to the end of the season, and uh, so I'm trying to think like, would they really? Would they really separate? Hera and Chopper from the rest of the group like will they really not ever get get them back together for the rest of the season or a series I don't know I mean I we will find out at yeah, some we'll point find out. I don't know so it was uh yeah I I I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Okay, so 16 episodes, so there's seven. Sorry, I, I misspoke. There's seven when we come back from the break. So we have eight episodes left, not not five. Um, yeah, eight sounds like a lot to not have the characters meet back up at some point. I do like the theory that maybe like Rogue One is going to happen at some point during the season um, where they would... kind of ex- explain why Hera and Chopper at the base and everybody else isn't. I actually really like that theory. Hopefully I would that love for that through. to happen. That would be a lot of fun to see. It'd be cool. And it did feel like, remember, we got a time jump last episode because even though it wasn't explicitly stated at the beginning, Ezra says it feels like they never mentioned Lothal anymore and it's never in the briefings. True. And and that tells me like that seems like weeks or months between episodes. Which would put us closer to, to Rogue One at yeah. this point. But um, but yeah, so that, that was that was the end of part one. Um, do you quick question before we, we proceed? Do you guys want to review these as two separate episodes? Cause they were fairly separate. Or yeah, we these ones do actually, one? I think makes sense to review separately. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So, so let's, uh, let's hop into the, uh, reviews before we, we, we go into part two. Uh, Steven, you want to kick things off? Ooh. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is definitely kind of the weirder episode of, uh, the two, Overall, I actually really enjoyed it and thought it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely uh, a case of more questions than answers at all mm-hmm. said and done. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a, I think, 7 out of 10 Womp Rats. And uh, my Womp Rats are going to be uh, Loth Womp Rats. And uh, they also have the ability to, you know, magically walk through time and space without any explanation. So one minute, one wow. minute they're, you know, part of... Uh, part of this review and then the next minute 
they may be part of the next review. Who knows? <laughs> Wait, they can go through time. Too? So are you yeah. saying you're that... rating the next one seven too? <laughs> no, but I'm I'm gonna say there may be seven Womp Rats involved. There could be more, or maybe you know, maybe something happens to them along the way. You'll just we, you'll have to find out. Uh okay, okay. Aaron? Um, <sighs> uh, yeah, I mean the introduction of Rook and the uh, the Hera and Kanan kiss puts this one over the edge for me. So, so ten? I'm say, no, I'm not going to say <laughs> ten. Um, <laughs> there would have had to been a lightsaber battle for it to be ten. That's uh, true. So I'll say seven as well. Seven seven womp rats. Uh, my my seven womp rats are are force eaten by loth wolves though. Oh man! Yeah. Wow. They went into the wrong cave. Were they the also the the Loth Womp Rats? No, they're just regular Womp Regular Womp Rats, okay. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> okay. Tom? You know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna flat out say I'm giving this episode a seven as well. Um good episode, very entertaining. Throws a lot of questions about the Loth Wolves out there to figure out. Um, you know, and it's the you finally get to see Hera and, and Kane and Kiss. So eh, there you go. One thing done. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens later when it comes to other characters. If they live or they die. We'll see. Um, I'm going to take my seven okay. womp rats. Okay. Yeah. Um, God, what am I going to do with my seven womp rats? You know what? The reason why we never saw Rook later mm-hmm. is because after he got into the battle, he was knocked out, right? Or he just... He was knocked out, wasn't he? No. No? no. Oh. Okay. Well, you know, Womprat smells a little bit uh, stronger than um, uh, Alasat. So <laughs> at a certain point, when he was basically trying to get the scent again for um, Zeb, he got the scent of the Womprats instead, and they sent him on a wild goose chase all over the planet of Lethal until, eh, you know what? I, I don't know what else to do with them. They basically chased. Uh, well, that's okay, Tom. Wow. I'll, I'll pick things up. I'm gonna go with uh, eight and a half. Okay. Um, Womp rats. I thought this was a fun episode. Um, I, I think that the biggest thing was, you know, it was very mysterious. I I liked it though. I I want answers, but I I want to see where they they take stuff. Uh, but I thought they did a really good job. Very very cinematic in many cases. Uh, especially loved i don't know why i like little preparation scenes for whatever reason like the scene where they're all preparing to to leave the base and they're they're hopping in the the ships and stuff uh i just thought it was like really well done um felt very very cinematic there um and yeah the introduction of rook was was amazing too so uh, eight and a half womp rats and the reason why tom i said i would take things from here is rook rook track down the uh womp rats somehow there are uh, an extra one and a half womp rats just mysteriously appeared out of nowhere um i think the loth wolf brought one and um Ruch ate them <laughs> okay there you go there you go it works <laughs> after chasing them all over the planet all over the planet okay well thank you for bailing me out of that one because i had no idea what to do with the, <laughs> do with them after the chase <laughs> so right, they go. ended up there being food yeah but uh (laughs) yeah so diving back into uh part two uh this is a this felt like a very different episode uh, overall um 
it felt a lot like I'd almost say a season one episode in a lot of ways. Uh, and not just because we got characters like Visago coming back, but it was, which was cool. Uh, yeah. Like surprisingly, this, this to me actually felt kind of like a send off episode where it's like, let's kind of put a little bottle episode and kind of remember why everyone, like some of the things the show has done in the past or like, you know, some of the things people loved or maybe didn't love. So like just comments where it's like, okay, one of us needs to go in the ventilation shaft. Ezra and he's like why me it's like that's kind of what that's kind of your thing is you go in the ventilation <laughs> shaft there's a lot of little moments like that that just kind of defined a, a, the tone for the episode mm-hmm. yeah and I, I did love the, the little self-retro self-referential jokes uh like the ventilation shaft reference that was a nice little little, little touch um but and, the, and I also I, mean, I also see your point when it comes to Visago because it did feel like this was an episode tour. It's like y- you didn't get it with um, oh god, why am I blanking on Jim Cummings' character Hondo? You didn't get quote a good send off episode for Hondo, but you do feel that when it comes to Visago, this was a send off episode for him. Yeah, well, I, may, I think we may actually see him again. And I if you told me at the beginning, yeah, really? like if you told me at the beginning of the season that. Uh, Visago would feature in not one but two episodes. I'd have been shocked, mm-hmm. but yeah, I I'm getting the feeling that the the ore crawler that that they have is going to become kind of their uh, center of command for. Uh, so it'll be the uh, base uh, of operation. I see. So it'll be a I base like of operation for a um, uh, ground assault. Exactly. Mm, I okay. like that because when when uh, when I watched the episode. For the first time, they were talking about well, Vizago becomes the the captain, mm-hmm. right of, of the of the orc crawler, and all I could think was, this orc crawler is the entire purpose of this device of, the, of this this machine is to go through and destroy the planet. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a world yeah. devastator. It's a it's literally a world devastator. Fun fact: it was based on the world devastator. Okay, I I uh, assume that was the case, and. From uh, as yeah, a Rogue Squadron fan, uh, was it in? Wasn't it in Rogue Dark Squadron Empire. first? Uh, maybe it was also in Rogue Squadron. I forget where it appeared first. I, I know I it was in Rogue Empire. Would have the have it be Dark Empire? I think came out before Rogue yeah. Squadron. Okay. Well, in any case, uh, I always thought those were kind of silly ships, and I hated fighting it in the stupid V wing in Rogue Squadron. But I was glad to see it come back. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and so like. It's uh well uh while we're on the the tangent I also it also was reminiscent of the machines that Mace Windu is fighting in the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars series remember those yep those like oh, stomper yeah. things were the big yeah it big wasn't stomping but yeah. it, it kind of reminded me of that as well but yeah, the whole point of the ship is to basically strip mine the planet uh leaving lifeless soil in its wake. And Vizago's like, I'm going to captain this now. I'm like, well, what are you going to do with this ship? <laughs> You're going to keep he, strip mining or something? <laughs> I think he could turn off the the part that's strip mining and just kind of fly it around. Um, I, do. I still don't know what he's doing. But. So, well, I kind of actually got the impression, maybe I'm, I'm missing detail uh-huh. you guys picked up on, but I didn't get the impression that the command of this was going over to Vizago uh, more than it was going over to Zeb. At the end, really? Well, they said it's going to need a captain, and then all the the slaves on the ship were like, "We will fight for the purple beast," and 
because they had just seen Zeb save their lives. And so I thought, oh, okay, these these slaves are going to, you know, kind of join them because they, they now feel like they owe Zeb their lives. And I think they were talking about Zeb when they said that, right? Purple they might beast. be talking about Zeb, but I thought it was made fairly well. And I'd, I'll double check, but I, the, way I, the way I interpreted that was they are going to fight for, uh, like, yes, the they're going to fight, yeah, yeah, the they're gonna fight for the rebels. And Vizago would captain, and they'd be essentially just you know two different things. Okay, yeah. But but I, on the other hand, it, I don't think it was that one hundred percent clear. So maybe. Well, Vizago and Zeb were standing next to each other, kind of in that whole scene, I believe. And they kind of when they nod their direction, I'm like, okay, they could be talking about either. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it probably takes a rewatch. I only watched it one time, so <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the episode guide does confirm Vizago was is the new captain. Okay. Uh, which I think, yeah. Uh, we'll probably, move. I don't know. It, it, I, I'm surprised. One, to see Vizago back, to your point, Steven. I thought he was, I thought he was gone after yeah, the last like, episode. Well, but I, I didn't take him as being gone because of the last episode. Because remember, he did, he did get them onto the planet. And you could look at it as since he was on this, you know, world devastator. Uh, he was in prison, so they put him to work on this Devastator like everybody else. So I could see him coming back in this episode because of what happened the last time getting him onto the planet. Because the Empire did put him under arrest. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I, yeah. I did like how they, they brought it back. But Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I actually – it's funny because I never really liked Vizago that much when they first introduced him into the series. Because I thought he was like a, a bad – yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say poor man's on it. I thought that might be a little no, too rude. But that but, was actually a very good choice of words there, ab- William. I agree. Absolutely correct. <laughs> yep. So, and I was kind of just like, eh, I don't know if I really like this character, but now that they've they brought him back, I'm actually like, oh, he's actually pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm enjoying them, you know, kind of making him important again. And I do think they're, they really are setting us up for the rest of this series with there only being like eight episodes left. And we know that there's going to be this um, attack on Lethal from the rebels now that they're going to come and try to take out the, this, you know, these, these TIE fighters that you almost wonder if we're kind of going to stick around with this group of characters and that's going to be the end of it all. So they're setting up Vizago to be part of the team of characters that are going to face off against the empire as this series ends. I think we're going to see, Zago and Azadi and you know all those guys kind of taking part in the 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 final episodes of this of this series it's very possible I agree with that but I think the one person who probably will not be part of this is the guy who is captain of that world devastator because he wanted nothing to do with it in fact I find it very funny also one of my favorite characters of all time not really uh, you liked him I don't I yeah (laughs) I I feel kind of bad saying it because he was incredibly silly but there was something about that character that appealed to me yeah Captain Seavor no no well well, if you're not if you're gonna talk about him it's Captain Seavor you gotta get you gotta pronounce it in the correct Uh, like operator 9434 I guess as he is also known (laughs) Uh, there's, there's there was something about that that just cracked me up as, and Ezra's impression which that was fun historically I found Ezra like miming uh, you know things like that kind of annoying 
absolutely hilarious. Yes, it was pretty good. And I, I loved how Seavor uh, is like, S- is that what I sound like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good line. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, you, you also have to give it to him. He's sitting there asleep, or not asleep, but with his eyes closed, headphones on, listening to music. And the thing that I found very funny, uh-huh. Zeb, I thought, actually said he liked the song. Well, that's the song Zeb was listening to um, uh, last oh, season. Really? Remember? Remember when no. he was sitting on Lothal? Uh, yeah, it's it's on the totally it's on the that. Rebels soundtrack. Uh, oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and that's why that's why Zeb pulls the headphones off of Seavor. So Seavor's sitting there, and he's like, you know, conducting with his hands and stuff, uh, which is which is great. And uh, Zeb walks up, pulls the one of the the ears back on the on the headphones, and says, uh, "I like this song," and like snaps it back on his head because it was it was the song he was listening to. That's um, too funny. Yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. Uh, which I, I loved. I loved seeing it. It was called Zeb Rock. That's what it was. Uh, Zeb Rock. Um, but that's a, that's the song Seavor was listening to. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, that's very funny. Yeah. Fun fact: Seavor uh, was voiced by Seth Green. I am not surprised. You, not surprised, but you really couldn't tell. He did a good job disguising oh, yeah. his voice. The one thing, though, okay, and the one thing I I did not like about Seavor, it's actually less about Seavor. It's more about the rest of the Rebels crew. And that's that they didn't know how to shut him up. Like, you're going to do a call. Don't hold on to him and, like, not cover his mouth or anything while you're Mm -hmm. trying to pretend to be the captain or, like, throw him in a closet and then let him shout from the closet. Like, Put him somewhere in some other room on the opposite side of the ship where he can't cause any trouble. There were multiple scenes in this episode. There was a very where... specific moment where Zeb is holding onto him and like covering his mouth. And Sivo uh-huh. somehow manages to throw off Zeb's arms. And I had all like I was watching, I was like, how? Like yeah. Ze- Zeb is for... a very strong and large uh you know species like mm-hmm. there's no way that Sibo, this little scrawny Trandoshan is going to be able to do that yeah right. compared and, to the one compared like to shouting, the one we meet later and he's shouting like liar and you know you can't put me in the closet I know people and stuff and I'm just like put him in a different room where he can't impact like anyone somebody go take him down into the ship and throw him in some lava Exactly. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen to him anyways. <laughs> yeah, they could have done it a lot sooner. Right. Oh, poor guy. That was... That was... Brutal. That, brutal. Yeah, yeah, that... Yeah, man. I... Sorry, well, I was, was kind of thinking... Something that I was like, I, that, I have no words to describe what happened to him. That was unfortunate. Okay, now, did you expect Ezra to actually push him in or the way that it actually happened to where he fell in? Because I thought for a minute there, there was a thing where you're watching Ezra and it's like, would they really go that far to have Ezra actually push him in there with a force push or something? No, I, I knew they weren't going to have Ezra force push him to his death. That would have been a little dark. Yeah. The, I, but we have seen him. We have seen him go dark before. We have seen him. Darker than what happened in the first place? 
Like, well, I mean, I'm saying no. I mean, for Ezra to to choose to do that is different than him tripping over Ezra's lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was very violent of a way to kill a character in a children's show, but it that also wasn't the other, wait, 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 the character wait, wait, making wait, wait. This is a children's show. <laughs> well. <laughs> Technically, yes, it is. Oh, <laughs> I other, love it anyways. The other death I was surprised by was the, you know, the other Trandoshan, uh, you know, slave driver, essentially, as he uh, falls off very, uh, again, very violently into, you know, the darkness. He fell into the mist. Yeah. Falling is a typical way for characters to die in Star Wars without it being too violent. Right, True. Uh, right. But falling into the lava yeah. a little bit. Well, it's, <laughs> a little like, bit it's, it's like a furnace. Yeah, it, it, it's not just any furnace, too. It's like one of those, you know, home alone basement or iron giant dump. Like furnaces, like, you know, with the, like the teeth and, you know. Uh, it was like molten and, ore in there. Yeah, yeah it was. It's also, like kind of terrifying. Just, he just slips on the lightsaber and falls in. Uh, just as a question, why, why does it chomp? What purpose does that serve for crunching ore or whatever it is that that thing is supposed to do you mean the door opening and closing only yeah. it has to let out just a tiny bit of smoke at a time and you it's know, also there I to build something you know what william something tells me there are better ways to do it than that yeah but it, uh, like I said, it, it, built, it built suspense because it had to be timed right if he didn't time it right what good would it have been to have that opening there he would have fallen right against a door, maybe got himself burnt, but not fallen in and got himself cooked. How how else would you rather have it go? I I did. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was cool. I love it when they go a little they go, go a little more gruesome than you're expecting. Yeah, in these shows. Um, but I, and then to see Ezra's reaction where he kind of gives like a little smirk and he makes a joke about it, then I was like, oh, that's kind of cruel there, Ezra. <laughs> like this guy just literally <laughs> like. Got cooked alive, and you're just like, oh, look out! That, there, that's right, he did. <laughs> he shouldn't have tripped on my lightsaber. <laughs> Maybe Ezra did use the force to move the lightsaber under his foot, and then he has plausible deniability. I, I didn't push him. Whoa, whoops. he just tripped on my lightsaber that I moved under his feet. But did you uh, guys notice though, with both Ezra and Kanan when they're confronting these uh, these Trandoshans, it seemed like they both kind of forgot how to use the force. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yes. they, they weren't like I'm like, come on, both of you guys should be able to take these these guys out pretty easily. I was very disappointed in Kanan's performance because you know we've seen Kanan do some pretty amazing things, and then suddenly he did it, he couldn't even he gets be taken this, out like, in like this thirty brute. in like five seconds by this the the foreman slave master approach. He like has his light whip, wraps it around Kanan, and Kanan like basically gives up. Okay. Um, the electricity is the bane of of Jedi. They, they it seems to be the way to take them down. If you remember back, even in the Clone Wars, when Cad Bane would always take Obi Wan or other Jedi down by using electricity, it's like yeah. it's something they can't fight against. Apparently, it's almost like they're Kryptonite. You have yeah. Kryptonite for Superman, yeah. but it's electricity for Jedi. Of course, then there's was- Zeb, who's being electrocuted and still holding on for dear life. I know yeah, that's true. <laughs> but Kanan, have, no. a, they, have a better physiology apparently to to take electric. He has shot. all that extra body fat. Yeah, we'll go with that. That that fight though was 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 actually pretty cool. The the, the fist fight between uh, Zeb and Proach. Um, they were just going back and forth, uh, and then eventually end up like hanging off the catwalk. 
and like, like he said, he like pulls up the laser whip and Zeb almost falls to his death too, following approach. But Kanan thankfully rescues him just in time. Yeah, it's too soon for him to go. They still have how many episodes left? They had to have some kind of suspense in there. Yeah, but it, I don't know, it was it was it was a cool fight. And just in general, I liked the visuals of the um, the entire ore crawler. Right? Uh, they have the it's like there's like smoke everywhere, like dark smoke, yep. and um, in, in in inside as well. So it makes it kind of hard to see. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I don't know for for whatever reason, I think. That it, the show looks really cool when they do like the really smoky interiors. The same thing with the, the death troopers a few episodes ago when they, they had the, the smoke grenades. Um, I, but just, I, I thought it was very cool looking. Also, I liked the, um, I liked the, how we got to see the mining guild, IGRM security droids again. And <laughs> everyone had yellow highlights uh, on the ore crawler, just like all the other mining guild vehicles have had in the series, like the yellow tie fighters. Yeah. And, so consistency touch yeah and shout out to sabine for taking out the one droid with the uh the headshot that was pretty sweet yeah that was nice yes the whole the whole infiltration under the under the ship was was cool Mm -hmm. um you know because i i mean the whole point of getting on the ship in general was it it's it's what's blocking the it's the source of the signal jammer that's blocking their transmissions off planet and so they, they have to go take it out. Uh, and, and that's when, you know, Seavor basically near the end escapes again and tries to sabotage the the long range transmitter, which they're able to repair very quickly. But well, you know, they only have a short amount of time for this episode. They couldn't let it last go a little too long. Yeah. So they're able to get it done. Ezra wasn't the only one impersonating uh people though uh zeb and visago get to get into get into character as well when the empire arrives oh. yeah, that was- yeah that was fun to have visago sit there and, and play the foreman for the one that got away that was and and you would think okay you would think that the imperial stormtroopers would know who was the um <laughs> who are the workers and who's the actual foreman on this ship on this this devastator I don't know, would they? Well, heads up display. <sighs> they must have something. I don't I mean, know. Could, I, I mean, could, could I they could tell by it. vest? Could they tell by, you know, if you he know, was Tom, wearing a hard you, hat? You've you seen one alien. ID? You've seen them all, so. I know. Mm-hmm. But they, did they did they even ask? I mean, when Ezra was basically playing voiceover work that he was trying to do to make him sound, you know, like um, Seth Green's character. Did they even ask Visago when he came in, what was your operating number? Well, the way I interpreted it was uh, basically the mining guild had said, called the Empire and be like, hey, we've got some sort of security incident. Can you just go check it out? And that was kind of the crux of it. I'm assuming they didn't actually know anything about the crawler itself. Okay. Yeah. All right. That I can accept because that is true. If they, if it was a mining guild ship, the mining guild ships probably would have been yellow to match everything else. But these were imperial ships that we did get to see from Clone Wars because we got to see them on Coruscant as the police cruisers. That now they're all over the place. These little ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah. The the one thing was that was interesting. I guess was they they decide to hide back in the same closet they're holding Sevar in 
uh, may he rest in peace. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, all right, PC though. Uh, oh God! And like just you know the the they're hiding in there. The Empire starts to inspect the closet for for whatever reason. Vizago is like freaking out. Uh, There's nothing in there. Uh, and then they open it and it's completely empty. Um, I I mean I, it took. The first time I watched it, I was trying to figure out how did they how did they escape? And I guess there was like a vent in there. Uh, and that's what uh, that's what C4 ended up going through later as well. Uh, but I don't know. I was I was kind of surprised that, yeah, they were hiding from the Empire. But the, I don't know how they let how they how C4 managed to get away during that that whole scene. I, I think we've established, though, that their ability yeah. to keep prisoners is pretty, pretty abysmal. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. Dismal is a great word. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then the Empire left as quickly as they arrived. So I don't know. It was, they, uh, it was a very short uh, short visit by the Empire. I mean, to be fair, do you want to be stuck on a two-hour tour of the... Uh, you know, a three-hour tour? Yeah, I was going to say three-hour tour. <laughs> they get stuck? <laughs> yeah, no thank you. You can go uh, about your business. Move along. Exactly, exactly. Oh... Um, but meanwhile, on Yavin four rebel command is reviewing the threat of the tide defender. And, uh, this is a very interesting conversation and kind of has some nice connections to, to rogue one as well. Mm-hmm. This, this was very interesting business within here. Cause you got to see the thinking of at least this council of what the steps are and what are their priorities within the rebellion? Yeah. I mean, Hera wants to to lead the attack, but you you can already tell that the rebels are worried about the the blockade and and Thrawn and you know after the the damage he gate he did to them uh, at the end of last season they're definitely a little a little shy um, uh, about you know kind of going into battle again and uh, you know they they even kick Hera out of the room while they discuss their plans. Mon Mothma comes out a little while later though. And I thought this was very interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this. She comes out and she tells Hera that the tie defender isn't their only problem as evidenced by protocol 13, the immediate evacuation of all Imperial personnel from the planet. So, you know what? What I'll was protocol you. 13? And I'll bet you. well, I guess we know what, where did they activate it? Yeah. I, were they, act- I, I agree with Aaron. I thought it might've been on Lethal. Is maybe how I interpret it? I think you know. What, what I did think you it's say, Aaron? Off. I think it's Jeddah. I think uh, it's a tip off, and it's a, it's another connection to Rogue One that mm-hmm. that the rebels are aware that um, they're evacuating this planet, and that there may be an imminent attack, but they just don't know what what is going to be making that attack. Obviously, they don't know about the Death Star yet. Yeah, and I would think it's not Lethal huh. because you've got Thrawn there. You've got those. Um, those construction um, ships above the planet. So I doubt it was Lethal. I agree with Aaron because uh, I think that I agree with Aaron. I think it is uh, Jetta. I, I want it to be Jetta. The, the one thing I wonder though is, is it too early? Because mm. saw, saw saw now he knows about Jetta, right? And, and he ran away at the, uh, at the end of, in the name of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, but did we, we still haven't seen him get damaged yet. Do you think we'll see him da- um, 
get injured and, and kind of get to the point where he has this, you know, prosthetic leg and he has to, he's basically been poisoned and has to wear this big armored suit to keep him alive because we're getting close, but I kind of assumed we would see that. And that has to happen before Pro- protocol 13 is, um, is activated on Jeddah. So I don't know if it's like, a, is it a different planet or, or I don't know, maybe, maybe we won't see it and it will be Jeddah. Well, they didn't, they didn't test the death star on any other planet. So, okay. Yeah. Well, then think yeah, about it this way. It doesn't actually have to be protocol. It doesn't have to be the Death Star. It could just be any planets being evacuated. But you're right. Why Why would they evacuate all Imperial personnel on a planet unless it's Jeddah? What about Geonosis? Didn't they poison the Geonosians? When was the last time we saw a Geonosis? Um, saw Guerrero still. He, he did not have his mechanical leg. Mm-hmm. He still has to go through that whole poison aspect. Who's to say yeah. that this protocol 13 wasn't the tip off for what happened on Geonosis but that, to kill all the Geonosis? But we know that happened already, right? Because wasn't that the previous? Yeah, that, the, the... yeah we know but, all the, the Geonosians have already been wiped out. Oh, that's right, because there was but that one left over. We also know that Saw's injuries did come from Geonosian poisoning, according to the um, the Rogue One um, uh uh, the guide, I'm blanking, a visual guide. The Rogue One visual guide says that Saw Gerrera's injuries came from Geonosian poisoning, which is why I assumed in that episode we would see him get injured. Right. We didn't. So maybe the, that poisoning was brought off planet and we'll, we'll see it used again later this or season, or we just won't see it at all. And you're right. And it, it could be Jetta. And it could have, he could already have it in his lungs and everything and just hasn't caused the long term yeah. issues yet. True. I think he's already poisoned oh okay so what planet would be protocol 13 so far within rebels what other planets have they gone to that would have been important enough for the empire to pull a protocol 13 it could be i don't think it's gonna be kind of the the second arc of the season if we're about to see kind of the conclusion of the lethal arc or at least we're getting very Mm. close to something similar Maybe Protocol Thirteen is going to be, uh, you know, the trigger for whatever happens next. So some planet that we haven't yet uh, yeah. been introduced to, and that kicks off. Like, there's something bigger. I know. Like in the next episode or two, they have to reveal what's going on with, with Lethal and have some sort of like driving force, because when they're going to end the series, they can't just. I don't know. I'm trying to think. How do they? Re- how do they end the series? I don't think it's just they rescue Lethal and the end. No, no. Right. I agree. No, it has to be bigger than that. No, because if anything, if anything, whatever happens to Lethal is probably going to happen within the next couple episodes, not going toward, not the last episode. So whatever the last episode is, is going to wrap up storylines. And if, if the next series is the springboard off this last episode, that would kick off other storylines. If anything from the next, the next series comes from rebels. We don't know that, but Lethal has got to be wrapped up pretty soon. It's not going to, because if they were to drag the story all the way to the end, I would get, I would be very, the interesting story by then. We know there's something force related on Lethal. You know, we've got, we have the Jedi temples. We now have the Loth wolves. We have, uh, you know, the discussion with uh, Caleb. Uh, Kanan, wow. Um, 
Okay, well, you can call him Caleb. Caleb Doom. No, but that I was works. going like I was heading towards Kalen, which was not correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's just go with Caleb. You're going towards Caleb. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it just I I don't know. It's we're either going to be focused, on, I think, on Lethal, and there's going to turn out to be a lot deeper and more complicated than uh, we think, or Lethal is going to wrap up pretty quickly, and we're going to have to move somewhere else. And I, the question will be, I think, where where is Protocol Thirteen? I don't know. I I do feel like though in the next seven eight episodes we're gonna have to eight episodes we're gonna have to see the attack on Lothal. We're gonna see. I hope saw whatever happens to Sagarera, but maybe not. I'd always assume that we would though, based on how closely they've been tying everything in. Um, we'll see. Uh, whatever I, mystery is on Lothal. I have one other idea actually, and this okay. Be, what is it? So. I'm going to ask William, you have the, I'm, I was going to say you have the most photogenic memory. I think it's also, you've seen row one probably more than anyone else here. If I had to guess, <laughs> uh, what is the line that refers to Hera in, uh, the movie? I think it was paging captain Sindula or, um, Did it actually no, I thought it was general captain, general Sindula to the briefing room. Okay. I think that, that's, what it was. that's what I thought. So what if protocol 13, what if that is Jetta? What if Jetta? the you know Jetta's destruction is just occurring and we're actually going to get a sequence where you know we think we expect that the next episode the rebels are going to go to the fall and they're getting ready to gear up and that's when uh Jin and uh Cassian come back they're like hey we're you know we're going elsewhere and so they're like okay well we got to we got to page general Sindula and let her know that you're not going to the fall just yet we need you to go somewhere else first huh Potentially. Potentially. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I like the idea of, I don't know if it's going to happen in that order, but I do like the idea of there being some kind of a direct tie into the events of Rogue One. And we are seeing a lot more, um, you know, we got Saul as part of the series. Um, the U-Wings have been making appearances recently. And then the what used to be called the hover tanks, which I don't think they actually hover, um, also were in this episode. So, you know, a lot of the Rogue One vehicles are showing up, characters are showing up, and we just had the, you know, forces of destiny where Sabine and and uh Jin meet each other. So I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised at all, actually, if there was some sort of a direct kind of lead in to the events of Rogue One. And that could even be how the series kind of ends. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree. I think we, I think we have to see all that. I don't know. Dave Filoni kind of hinted that maybe we won't at one point, but I, I do. I feel like we got to see all the stuff I mentioned earlier, plus the Rogue One tie-in, plus whatever happens to Thrawn. There's a lot to wrap up yeah. in the next eight episodes, and it's going to be quite a ride. I think yeah. you're going to be disappointed on the Saul thing, though, William. You think I don't so? think we're going to. Yeah, I don't think we're getting the the exact moment where he loses his leg. I think we're we've seen. We've seen what we're going to see as far as that goes. Mm. Uh, okay. It's definitely, I think, would be tough for them to introduce Saw at this point. Or again, I, like it just feels like it'd be kind of a lot to force into the episode. Yeah. You just a guess. Right. You might be right. We'll see. I don't know. It feels like a lost opportunity, though, to have him be fully like he's such a big character in animation. Because he, he started there. And I feel like we've seen, we saw him without his hair, and then he had his hair. And then 
he just needs to get into his suit and, and be damaged. And, and so I don't know if he like comes to rescue them on Lothal to help them in some way, or I don't know. That would be interesting if he does end up on Lothal as, as yeah, that would be interesting. But you, you also could be right. It's possible. We will never see it. Just like it's possible. We might not see the rogue one tie in at all. We might not see that battle uh, over Scarif. Um, just, just knowing that, you know, Hera is alive or something. Whatever happens, though, we have to have some sort of big climactic end to the series. Yeah. The death of Thrawn. I hope they don't kill No, him. no, no, no. I read something. Oh, I read something today on the internet. <laughs> like the internet and everything is <laughs> of course, Tom. <laughs> that said Thrawn did survive into Rogue One. That what? Oh, you I, know, I, I, I think I saw that too. Yeah, that Thrawn survived into Where? Rogue One. I saw a headline. I can't place it now. I neither can I. I saw the exact same headline. Wait, what? Uh, what? I, I saw a headline that said Thrawn survived into Rogue One. But we don't have, we don't know why the fa- why that's a fact, a stated fact. No, Is there I, some source? I didn't read through the article. I just saw the headline and figured neither did we'd I learn more. <laughs> I, I, I was I was at work. I forgot my I was at work. My duty as a podcaster that I should probably you know check those things. Okay, here it goes. Here it goes. Did you find it? This is from, yeah, hang on. This is from comicbook.com because, you know, everything, everything, you know, is Let, real. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, this let's was dated, here. Let's take this, this with a grain of salt. None of this yeah. is official. Okay. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. This says headline, and everybody knows headlines are real. Dave Filoni revealed Thrawn survives past events of Rogue One. What's the? Though Lucasfilm, hang on. Um, hang Guys, on, I'm going to do live. it this way. This is not raw. Uh, yes, okay, live this is, from this, earlier this today. Is, this is reporting. This is reporting as it goes, people. Um, it goes. Though Lucasfilm discarded a lot of extended universe canon from the Star Wars franchise, blah, 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 purchased by Disney fans to thrill the crown now the throne returned to Rebels. But given that Rebels takes place before the events of the original trilogy, fans have worried that the character would perish in this fourth and final season of the animated series. However, producer Dave Filoni's comments indicate that Thrawn fans shouldn't worry. While discussing casting Lars Mikkelsen as the voice of Thrawn, Filoni slipped that the character has a longer lasting presence than Galen Erso, one of the architects of the Death Star. The character takes shape around the vo- yeah, the character takes shape around the voice. He is dedicated to getting it right. He under- okay. Um Filoni in a conversation with stars.com. His character outlived his brothers, Mads Mickelson's, who's rogue who's in Rogue One, which is in which is a hilarious inside joke for us. Okay. Filoni's comments indicate that there are plans for Thrawn in the future, though no one knows for sure what is what it is at this point. Interesting. Was nope. Filoni was Filoni teasing? Okay, I'm just look at like I said. Remember no, the commercial of the girl who found the French guy who was supposedly a male model that sat there and said "Bonjour." Everything on the internet is real. Um, this is where it came from, dated today, November seventh. I think it's a real quote. I think that people are taking and reading into the quote. I think you're right. Because Rogue okay. One Rogue One came out a year ago. Rebels is still airing. Yeah. 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 So yes, Thrawn's voice has outlived uh, oh, Galen Erso. I get it. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Also so, also the okay, impact, I get it. impact of Thrawn, he might have a larger impact on the series than Galen Erso. All even though Galen did like but well, the flaw in the Death Star, which is kind of a big deal. Um, uh, debatable. 
No, but he's saying that he's basically his quote says his character outlived his brothers, mm-hmm. who's in Rogue One, which is hilarious. Right. Yeah, his character no, did. It. Yeah, Rogue One a year later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I so get that's it. not in people are like why. taking this quote and then they're they're reading what they want to hear and that's what people do all the time. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I I totally get it now. I got it. So I totally think Thrawn is still on the table to be killed in the series. But you I know, and not. that would be very funny if that were to happen. Well, I, Stephen, I agree with you too. But just think if that were to happen, and it would make all these folks thinking that Thrawn outlived, uh, that Thrawn made it into made it past Rogue One. Think of all the people who are going to go. But but Filoni said it in this article. Yeah, yeah. But you guys of, read it the wrong way. And Filoni's not dumb enough to give something like that no, away. He's he is not. <laughs> He's one sly guy. Yeah. If anything, this might just him, be him trolling. <laughs> Good. Filoni would never but there do is, that. No. No. But there is actually a Thrawn sequel book coming out. So there you go. Right. Another prequel sequel. Yeah. The, um, the I actually am on the I actually am on the team of wanting Thrawn to die in the series. Because I think the rebels need a big win to close out the series, and I think by taking him out, and he's obviously a genius leader of the Empire, and it would also make sense that he wasn't around during the the original trilogy when everything was going down. True. Um, so I I kind of hope he does die, but I know a lot of people want to see him live. I don't. Why do you hate Thrawn, Aaron? As okay, you 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 run Star Wars bookworms, Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. That, you're, I feel like no, okay. I feel like you're breaking the promise of what you talk about. <laughs> okay, no wait a minute. He's not I, like Star Wars books. Doesn't mean I love that character. He he's a character that I think is great, but at the same time, he's he's a villain, and villains need to be defeated. And I think the the rebels are the perfect team to do it. And I also believe that if they do get rid of him here, nothing states they can't keep doing books of him before his death. So he can always live on in the books, plain and simple. Okay, but Tom, uh, Tom, yes, we're gonna see a Han Solo movie sometime next year. Is it really gonna be the same, knowing that Han Solo is dead? Well, just because you can tell more stories doesn't mean that we can't be sad when the character dies. Well, that's 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 true. What would his role be? What does he have left to do? The, I mean, he's the Empire is about to be defeated, anyways. Yeah, it, but but it, then there's still the First Order. No, it, it I think it depends uh, quite a bit I on if they they want to do anything with uh, I can't remember the character's name, the Lieutenant from uh, the Thrawn book, and you know the if they want to oh, do anything yeah, else in the unknown regions, I think they have the ability to kind of yeah. write Thrawn off to go do that again, just like they did, you know, in the original Thrawn trilogy with Eli Vanto. Thank you. And yes, yeah, William, you. I know you looked it up while I was talking. I would never do that. I have a perfect memory. Of course. I would have done it too, William. Don't worry about it. I just left the book behind me. That's the great thing about having a giant list of show notes for every episode we've ever created. <laughs> that is true. See, I would have used the internet and found it from there. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, I, I, I think we're... Sorry? I was going to say it. I think I was going to say we're we're about ready to get into the review of this we episode, right? right? Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. I mean, from then on, Hera basically goes back inside and pleads to the 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 rebels, um, the rebel high command, that uh, they need to take out the factory. And 
I don't know how I felt about the like on the one hand it was a it was a good speech, but on the other hand I don't know if it really would have convinced the rebel command. I she basically like it doesn't matter if we fail or succeed it will show the empire that we won't back down. I we need to be strong, it, courageous. It's time to strike. But it's almost a suicide mission. I see that always that type of thing makes me laugh. Same as uh, Ezra as a comment when the two speeders show up uh, earlier on when he's like it's the empire. It's like okay. It's one of those moments that's like, okay, that doesn't work when you can't cut to commercial or cut to another scene. Because the immediate, like, mm. the immediate uh, response to, like, Hera's comment is like, okay, I mean, yeah, but, like, we don't want everyone to die, so we're not going to do it. Like, okay, nice. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter if they know we don't, won't back down if everyone dies in yeah, the rebellion. Or, over. like, or as I loved Ezra's line because it was a little on extra on the back, like, it's the Empire. And everyone would be like, yeah, no, like, Sabine just said that. We know. We know you don't need to repeat it dramatically while staring at, at the myth- mythical camera that's not actually there. Oh, uh, but whatever happened, you know what? Regardless, it worked. Um, and Rebel High Command gives them the go ahead to for uh, the assault on Lothal with Ezra coordinating the ground assault. And so we go into the mid season break next week with. Uh, the uh the, the rebels finally going to free Lothal. And about I'm excited. Time. I am excited. This will be fun. Fun episode. We only have one episode left before the mid-season break. And then when we return next year, early next year, we'll have the final seven episodes. Oh, that's too long, man. But then again, it's not that far away. On the one hand, I've I've liked having two parters every week because We've always talked about how we've wanted that um, more Star Wars, more time to focus on the on the episode. On the other hand, especially when they have two parters and don't extend the length and actually have a shorter season than normal, mm-hmm. it feels so short. It feels like we just started and we're already done. It's uh, yeah, it's not a good feeling. No, but regardless, I'm still looking forward to to next week's midseason finale, the final mid-season finale so uh i guess let's let's dive into the reviews tom what were your thoughts oh, on god i'd have to go first tom you i'm giving the episode an eight okay mm-hmm. you threw it at me with no warning last time so it's only fair you get to do it <laughs> i think it's only fair okay that's fine okay um I- i'm gonna give the episode an eight um it you know the episode worked for what it was but in a certain kind of way, it was almost like a little bit of a filler episode. I mean, it did carry on the story of them being on the fall, but it, it, it felt a little bit filler. It was good. You know, um, they needed some kind of business to do on the fall since they were stuck there. So what do you, what do you do? You, you get Seth Green to do a voice of a character and you take over his, his, you know, ship. That's basically, the crawler rampaging a planet and turn it over. Yeah. You know, turn it over to Visago and there you go. You got an episode. So it was a good episode. Um, so I'm giving it an eight. I am going to take my eight womp rats and, um, you know, it really wasn't Visago who took over the, um, the ship. Visago actually got to a certain point where it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. So he gave it to the eight womp rats. They're the ones that are actually going around the uh, strip mining the actual planet. And Visago decided to go do something else. Oh, and also they've got a Zeb song on speakers inside that cab, blasting it twenty four seven. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, William, you go next. Okay. Since, you, uh, since you're so speechless, you go next. Thanks. No. Um, no problem. No, no I, 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 I kind of feel the same way. I don't want to call it filler, but um, I mean, it was important because it, it helped show how they were able to get communication off of Lothal, right? They're able to reestablish communication with the real base and, and stuff. Uh, and it was nice to see you know, the return of Zago. And there's a lot of really nice pieces about it, but definitely in the scheme of things, I think it was kind of almost the last setup episode almost or the last puzzle piece connecting where they were to the to the to the the, the final battle to save lethal and whatever happens after that running into the rest of the series so i have a feeling from this point on this series is going to be like you know just like non-stop crazy uh hopefully reveals and big stuff the whole the whole way uh to the end um so it was it was it, it kind of was that calm before the storm almost uh, visually it was it was really cool. Um, I, I I on the one hand, I kind of like Seavor, but on the other hand, I hate how the rebels dealt with him and, and or, or lack thereof. Um, so that was, I think, my my maybe my my biggest annoyance overall. Um, but no, it was, it was a good episode and I'm very curious to see what Protocol 13 is. So I'm going to give this. I think I'll give it seven and a half Womp Rats and uh, I'm going to dangle my seven and a half Womp Rats into the uh, the furnace. And That's horrible. That's just... Hey, Seavor needs a friend in there. Wow. Alright, Eric. Seavor survived. What you don't know is that Trandoshans can survive extreme heat. And so he's just sitting <laughs> oh, in there. I think- I think he's that's stretching. <laughs> he's like swimming. Yeah. He's doing like, you know, doing a backstroke, backstroke, really enjoying life. Enjoying some, they, nice, they like some nice toasted womp rat. Yeah. I think you're really stretching it, man. Okay. <laughs> All right, Aaron, you're up. Yeah, you're up, Aaron. Um, this was a fun one. I, I like, I like William's use of the term setup episode as opposed to filler episode. Um, because it sounds nicer, but it, it does feel very much <laughs> which is true. You know what? It's true. So okay, it does sound like it does feel very much like a setup episode. Um, some fun elements. I like to see the trained oceans come back. Uh, so and then obviously Vizago. So I'm I'm gonna give it seven Womp Rats as well. Um. And my Womp Rats are going to wander through the Loth Wolf cave only to find themselves on the bridge of the chimera next to thrawn right before the chimera explodes and kills them all wow Ooh! wow that's unfortunate yeah yeah have such an amazing experience happen to them and then die so quickly very sad yeah yeah i I decided to kill thrawn before the show did (laughs) you did it first yeah wow (laughs) oh nice Okay, Steven. Okay, so I I almost have trouble explaining why, but something for this episode just kind of clicked for me. I the humor all landed for me, even like the things that I thought were like on the silly side with Sivo and stuff. I just it it made me laugh, and it it just kind of worked. So I think I'm actually going to give this uh, an eight and a half Womp Rats out of ten and go a little bit higher. Uh, Whoa, interesting! Just, what is the world coming to? I know, I know. It just 
something about how they set up this episode and just, you know, again, definitely a filler episode, but they landed the humor for me without making it, you know, over kind of over the top. So it just, it's a, I enjoyed it. Um, and in the vein of doing things that are unexpected, uh, my eight and a half Womp Rats, well, they're actually split up in two groups, four, well, four and a half, I guess. And then, uh, you know, uh, the other four. And uh, so the first four actually caught the Trandoshan slaver as he fell into the mist. They were just kind of down there and, you know, the, the Trandoshan fell on them and then they were all good and happy. And mm-hmm. then they went and had tea or something. Uh, and then the other four were also in the furnace. And uh, it turns out it's not actually a furnace. The orange creepy light is just from a bunch of Womp Rats having a very nice candlelit dinner. Who would have th- known? <laughs> so uh, everyone's okay and lived. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that that works. That works. <laughs> I, I think I think we're becoming a little bit too nice with the womp rats. But then again, you, we've been doing this, this for how many you years? You all killed your womp rats horribly. I treated them humanely. I, wait, 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 wait. Mine, mine actually took over the 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 world eater, whatever it was, and they're rocking out sure. in the cab. You know, to to the the Zeb music. Whatever. You... So you're saying controlling a world devastator is a good thing. Well, for the Womp Rat? Yeah, <laughs> for everybody else, no. Sure, Tom. Uh, well, uh, Stephen, why don't you let us know what's coming up next week? I mean, we've already sure. kind of heard about it, but... Yeah, so Season 4, Episode 9, titled Rebel Assaults. And the synopsis is, Hera leads a courageous attack against Grand Admiral Thrawn's forces. But when things go awry, her battle to win must become a daring escape if she is to survive. Dun, hmm. dun, dun. I'm so excited for this. Also, Rebel Assault totally reminds me of the Rogue Squadron game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, though. Good game. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't wait. The, the preview. Do you guys watch the preview at all? I have not seen it yet, no. Ooh. I have not seen it yet, either. Uh, Steven, you're going to love it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, I'll, I'll have to go the, and watch it then. The preview looks quite good. I think I'm going to be surprised. Yeah. I'll probably have to watch it later. <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean it's it's it is a the rebels are assaulting Lothal. I mean what what else? Uh, what else is there to say? I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So it'll be cool. it'll be a good episode. So uh, Aaron, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you back on. As always, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Aaron. Fun review. I uh, thought it was. Uh, it's always a great time chatting with you. And uh, do you want to let people know where they can, how they can stay on top of uh, everything it is you're you're doing, all your great stuff? Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Av Goins. Um, I'm usually talking about Star Wars or Disney or Doctor Who or or something along those lines. Um, my podcast, Star Wars Bookworms. We talk about all the Star Wars books and comics. I do that with Teresa Delgado. And that's pretty much it right now with the Star Wars stuff. So yeah, if anybody wants to catch up with me, that's where to find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And uh, we'll be back next week with our review of the mid-season finale, Rebel Assault. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your reviews will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. You can visit our website, IonCanonCast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. 
You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2017.